0: Hi, I'm Mike Cappanieri, and this is the FEMA Podcast. (music) Flooding is one of the most common and most expensive disasters in the United States. But there is a way to avoid losses to lives and property by looking at flooding risk ahead of time and planning a way to improve your resilience, and that is through mitigation. Today, it is my pleasure to talk with some experts in mitigation and review an actual example of how mitigation is preventing risk to lives and property in the city of Beatrice, Nebraska, during flooding events. So welcome, Lori Bestian, a mitigation planner with FEMA, Katie Ringland, the chief of the floodplain management section with the Nebraska Department of Natural Resources, and Tobias Templemeyer, city manager of Beatrice. Thank you all for being with us today.
1: Thank you very much for having us.
0: Thanks for having us. Great, well, I want to get started with Lori, uh, just so she can kind of talk through and we can get an idea about flooding in general and how mitigation plays into
1: that, Lori. Sure, Uh, the goal of mitigation is to make an investment ahead of time, uh, an investment that will have significant long-term economic and flood risk benefits for a community. And with river flooding and flood maps, we have the ability to know where flood uh, flood damages are likely to occur. So when community leaders invest in flood mitigation in these areas at risk, the savings is not only realized the next time it floods, but the return on investment continues to increase every time it floods thereafter and damages are avoided. So proactive flood mitigation ensures communities are more resilient and able to recover more quickly and completely from flood events.
0: Great. Well, thanks for going through a little bit of that background there, Lori. Now Katie, turning to you, can you give us some background on flooding in Beatrice, Nebraska?
2: Sure. Beatrice is a city of approximately 12,500 people in southeastern Nebraska. And like many, many Midwestern communities, it's built along a major river. The Big Blue River flows through Beatrice and has been a source of flood risk since the city was founded. Um, In the fall of 1973, the city was hit by the largest flood on record, and the final crest of the 1973 event was 33 feet, which is 17 feet above flood stage. This resulted in several city blocks being flooded, including both bridges that connect the east and the west side of the community. Since the 1973 flood event, Beatrice continued to be hit by multiple of the flood events. The second largest event occurred in the summer of 1984. It had a final crest of 15 feet above flood stage, and it was followed by major flooding in the summer of 1993, and then the third largest flood of record occurred on May 7, 2015. The final crest of this event was 14 feet above flood stage. So, as you can see, major flooding in Beatrice has occurred about once every decade.
0: Yeah, so turning to Tobias now and just hearing Katie walk through some of that history, it sounds like, especially for long time residents, folks in Beatrice, that neck of the woods, certainly not strangers to flooding events um, with all the activity over the years going back to 1973. So maybe as a city manager, you could just talk through with us how the city decided to address this repetitive flooding problem and to hopefully avoid the
3: same types of damages over and over. Well, as you can see through the history, we've had a number of these events. And so the city's response has been approach recovery through implementing a long-term hazard mitigation plan that include acquisition of flood floodplown residential and commercial properties and conversion of that land into open space. The goal was to avoid the same level of de- devastation with future floods. Uh, since the program began in 1973, 120 properties have been acquired. One of the important things to point out about Beatrice Flood-Prone Property Acquisition Program is it has spanned over 45 years. The community was dedicated and persistent in its approach to become more resilient Uh, making use of several funding sources along the way towards one common goal. Funding sources for the acquisition program over the years have included city funds, private contributions, gifts, uh, HUD community development block grants, FEMA's hazard mitigation grant program funds, uh, FEMA's flood mitigation assistance program funds, and finally, FEMA's project impact grants.
0: Great, thanks, Tobias. And I'm just curious. Um, so, when you talk about acquisition or you know acquiring properties, I know that they're sometimes referred to as buyouts as well. I think technically we refer to them as acquisitions, but I know you know at least in a lot of the communities across the country that are prone to flooding, it's kind of referred to colloquially as a you know a buyout, and they are voluntary. So. Have, you know, generally speaking, the citizens of Beatrice, those properties that, that were bought out or acquired, was everyone pretty supportive and, um, you know, kind of like gung-ho about agreeing to move forward? I didn't know if you had any anything to offer on that.
3: In Beatrice, we've had a lot of support for acquisition of properties or buyouts, whichever we use both terms interchangeably. Right. Um, but we've had a lot of support both from obsolete property owners. Uh, understanding they don't want to go through the event again, and from the rest of the community, uh, not want to see properties continue to be damaged time after time.
0: Okay, great. That sounds uh, sounds like everyone has been on the same page there. So, okay, am um, going back to Katie now. Just wondering if you could talk through changes that have occurred and how this program um, really has progressed.
2: So, I think the greatest impact is from the floods of 1993. Um, this was felt nationwide and resulted in a nationwide focus on mitigation. Um, in Beatrice, after 1993, the program really ramped up significantly. In fact, they brought out 49 properties within just the three years following that event. So, by 1996, there were 96 acquisitions completed. And by 2014, that number went up to 120 acquisitions, and this included 95 structures.
0: So, Tobias, hearing Katie talk there, what did the city do with
3: all of those properties that were acquired? Over the years, the properties uh, have been reclaimed as parks, open spaces, ball fields, and other outdoor uses. Now that the river exceeds the flood stage, lives, homes, and businesses are no longer at risk. Water floods these open space areas, and when it recedes, life can go on as usual without much interruption.
0: Yeah, so, you know, you mentioned some of those ballparks and open fields. One of the, I'm thinking about Cedar Falls, Iowa now, but uh, having been up there a couple years ago, there was an area that was flood prone and they bought out a number of properties and they turned it into park recreation area, but it was really impressive. The amount of, um, you know, I've got three young children, so I often find myself going to parks uh, quite a bit um, to, to kill time and to let them run around. And I was really impressed with how nice some of these parks are. I think sometimes when people think about green space and, well, this area was bought out because of flooding, it just ends up, you know, being like the doldrums. That's not the case at all. I don't know, Tobias, if you wanted to talk about some of those areas a little bit more maybe in Beatrice and just how they are really utilized by the community.
3: Well, yes, I mean, in our case, the areas that we have bought out include two of our largest parks in town Uh, one of our significant ball field programs is at one of the the places that we've bought out we have a bike trail that runs through it we have a skate park a soccer field uh, rv parking we have a number of amenities that we've added to these open spaces over the years as we've bought them out that's awesome so you're making really good use of that
0: Okay, um, Katie, can you talk a little bit about the uh, mitigation effectiveness study and of what that means and um, just provide some insight there?
2: Sure. Um, for this study, the flood losses were modeled using FEMA's HAZUS um, software, which is a loss estimation software. So typically HAZUS is used as a tool to quantify expected losses of a certain flood, so your 1% annual chance, or 0.2% annual chance. But for this project, HAZIS was used to show the losses avoided from the actual 2015
0: flood event. Lori is going um, to chime in here as well just to talk about that in a little bit more uh, detail.
1: Yeah, so one of the things that we're um, really excited um, about this mitigation effectiveness study was the use of HAZIS in this way uh, to demonstrate mitigation effectiveness. Um, It's really a powerful tool um, and, and enables us to graphically recreate what would have occurred if the properties had not been acquired. Um, has this um, has built in, into the, the program what's called a depth damage function. And so we were able to quantify avoided losses in terms of dollars saved for each of those 120 properties um, that were purchased. So uh, one of the things we're really encouraging is that all listeners will take a look at the online interactive story map that was done for this project. Uh, The story map allows uh, readers to really just take a virtual journey through the history of flooding turned into this mitigation success in Beatrice. Um, And so to access a link to that story map, uh, you can go to FEMA's Facebook page and really kind of take a look through this whole story of uh, mitigation and how um, all of this has really turned into uh, mitigation effectiveness and success for Beatrice.
0: Yeah, thanks, Lori, And I'll second that when it comes to that story map. I mean, it's very easy to navigate, even for someone maybe that, um, you know, doesn't have a particular amount of background when it comes to this topic. Uh, I, I mean, I found myself just being able to very easily scroll around and see what the impacts were. So like Lori's saying, we'll make sure that we have it up on our Facebook page. And can you just maybe tell us a little bit more about the results of the study, Lori? Uh,
1: sure. Yeah. So this is you know really kind of the the uh, the exciting uh, uh, talk about the numbers um, and the the avoided losses. Um, the study showed that if the acquisition program had not taken place, the 2015 flood would have resulted in an estimated $12.9 million in damages in Beatrice just to these acquired properties. So using the records that are maintained by the city showing how much was spent on each property, through the years, as they were bought out, um, the study converted all investment over time to 2017 dollars, really, so that we're, you know, making sure to compare apples to apples right, with the right. uh, the investment versus the savings. Um, this showed that the total investment equated to $4.9 million over the, the full 45-plus uh, years of the acquisition program. And so based on the $12.9 million in avoided losses, this is an $8 million net savings. So in other words, uh, 263% return on investment. And this is based on just the avoided losses from that one 2015 flood event. So one of the things we um, definitely want to emphasize is this is really a snapshot of savings. Um, we did not attempt to quantify all savings that occurred um, you know, way back since the 1970s, uh, nor did we uh, uh, try to project cumulative savings uh, in the future. Um, so if those had been factored in as well, that return on investment would be even higher. Um, in 2015, uh, the 2015 event It flooded most of the land that had been acquired over the years, so this really gave us a unique opportunity to take a look at avoided losses from an actual event. So you know, it's really kind of looking at that one event and saying, uh, yes, this definitely uh, was uh, was a successful uh, venture.
0: Yeah, and I think that eight million dollar figure of net savings really jumps out. I mean, at least to me, you know, when you think about all of the disaster activity, especially over the past two years 2017 with the you know not just the hurricanes that we saw the Atlantic coast but wildfires in California and really throughout the country and then even in 2018 just focusing on the dollars that can be saved ahead of time uh, or that can be saved by investing ahead of time I think really hits home so thank you for going through that information. And Tobias, I know we talked about this a little bit earlier in terms of some of the additional benefits to the community and just wondering if you had anything else to add on that where obviously we've been talking about the the dollar aspect and the savings, but just some of the other benefits that um, that you've
3: also seen as well. Well, some of those benefits we've talked about already, those are the recreational areas, the parks, open spaces, trails, those kind of things. Uh, and in addition to that, we've added uh, absolutely natural green space we've added, wetland acreage, natural habitat for wildlife. Uh, you know, all those things help increase our, our water quality. But, you know, kind of the big ones are during the flooding, then there's a reduction in, in fire department and law enforcement costs for flood duty and risk and rescue, uh, not to mention increased public safety because the public just is no longer in harm's way. Uh, and overall, we avoid the disruption of community life, businesses, education, Family life, health, social services they all continue as usual when the river is in the flood stage
0: yeah, thanks for especially the point about first responders, whether that 's the fire service or law enforcement and the all the benefits that are gained there, I mean most importantly from a safety perspective, obviously, as you were going through, but also just from you know the the cost of those hours and you know it 's not something that I think maybe folks necessarily think about, but that 's a really important aspect of. These types of mitigation actions and these types of um, acquisitions. So, I appreciate you mentioning that. Um, okay, Risk Map. Uh, Katie, can you talk a little bit about what that is? When, when we say Risk Map, what are we uh, talking about?
2: Sure. So, Risk Map is FEMA's mapping program that uses a holistic approach to flood risk identification and floodplain management through assessment and planning. It stands for Risk Map, Assessment and Planning. So- The M-A-P is Mapping Assessment and Planning.
0: Hey, it wouldn't be FEMA FEMA if we didn't have an acronym, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Acronym for everything. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, people, they don't realize that the MAP is an acronym, and a lot of times you'll see they think it's just mapping, like a mapping program, but it actually includes, you know, the assessment and then also the planning afterwards. So that's really what it is, is once a community's uh, risk is identified, their flood risk, They can be proactive about assessing those areas and making a plan to reduce or even eliminate the flood risk. Um, So, FEMA's program started in somewhere around 2010, but the city of Beatrice has been using this concept since the 1970s um, and it's helped them to make informed decisions as a community. Okay,
0: great. Yeah, I I know we sometimes get caught in uh, acronym world, so I appreciate you spelling that out and especially with. The word "map" actually being that acronym can definitely understand how that could potentially be confusing. So, um, Tobias, just wanted to turn to you now, and maybe you could talk a little bit about floodplain management in Beatrice over the years. You know, at the outset, Katie gave us a little bit of the history, uh, but just wondering if you could talk about that a, a little bit more.
3: Sure. Since so for over forty years, Beatrice has been building a strong foundation in floodplain management and risk reduction. In 1968, our city leaders asked for a flood risk study to map areas at risk. Uh, This resulted in the first flood map in 1970 developed by USACE. Uh, In 1974, the city passed their first floodplain zoning ordinance, which restricted development and identified flood risk areas, formalizing effective floodplain management to reduce flood risk for future development. Uh, This ordinance included standards above the federal minimum requirements, as required by the state of Nebraska. Um, These increased standards include one foot of freeboard for all new and substantially improved structures built in the floodplain, and no new or substantially improved residential structures in our floodway. Uh, Along with adopting the ordinance of 1974, the city joined the National Flood Insurance Program Emergency Program. Uh, This made flood insurance through the National Flood Insurance Program available to homes and businesses here in Beatrice. And in 1977, the city adopted the first official flood insurance rate map and joined the NFIP's regular program regulating development in the special flood hazard areas. In 1985, the firm was updated. In 2010, the firm was updated to a digital format.
0: Thanks, Tobias, for going through all that. And a, a couple of points that I just wanted to highlight. You talk about the federal minimum requirements and the fact that Nebraska kind of takes it a step further, and really just want to give credit there for that type of aggressiveness. Really, when it comes to responsible um, building in the floodways, uh, we don't we don't necessarily see that across the country. Um, and then you know you mentioned that the um, the first flood maps in 1970 were developed by the U.S. Army Corps, and then in 74, the city passed their first floodplain zoning ordinance. So, I mean, this really does go back uh, a number of years when you think about the, uh, just the proactive measures that the community leaders have taken. Um, so what are the plans to continue the success making Beatrice even more resilient?
3: Currently, the plans are underway for 2019 update to our all hazard mitigation plan. Uh, Even with the success that has been realized from the mitigation done so far, the city realizes that there is more that can be done. In fact, since the 2015 flood, we have acquired uh, three additional flood-prone properties and turning those into green space now. And all of the hazard mitigation plan uh, looks at what can be done to mitigate other hazards as well, such as tornado, windstorms, and winter storms.
0: Great. So it sounds like you guys aren't stopping. This is you guys are just going to continue to keep at it.
3: No, we continue to move forward with additional properties and additional methods we can do uh, to increase the effectiveness of our program.
0: Great. You know, recent studies have shown that for every. Six dollars that is put towards mitigation, or rather every dollar that's put towards mitigation, it's six dollars that's saved on the back end after a disaster. So I think you know hearing Lori, Katie, and Tobias talk through Beatrice, Nebraska, again, a community in southeastern Nebraska as many communities that were started in the Midwest built um, you know around the river. Uh, but as has been demonstrated, it can really make a significant difference when communities are hit by a disaster. And with flooding being so common, many areas and folks saying it's never flooded here, it's never flooded here, and then sure enough, it does. You know, taking these type of proactive measures and actions now can really um, make a significant difference. So, I just wanted to thank you all for sharing all this invaluable information with us and how. A community has used mitigation to save lives and property from the devastation of flood events. Um, so thanks to you all for your insights.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: All right, well, to learn more about mitigating disasters, please visit our website at fema.gov. We've linked this episode on the FEMA Facebook page and invite you to join the conversation in the comments.